0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Damn it! <sighs> Sorry, guys, I, I, I lost my composure out there. I'm an idiot. right Frankie, don't worry about it, all right? We're gonna make those points up, I promise you that. And your skin's gonna grow back, too.
1: I'm
0: sorry. Okay, okay now, how many events do we actually have left here?
2: One.
1: Uh, Frank's accident definitely set us back, but if we, pass, if we pass athletics, we're in, so...
0: Come on, all right, everybody. That's what I'm talking about, guys. We've made a great effort so far. Let's just keep it up. That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay?
3: We've gotta keep our composure! We've come too far! There's too much to lose. You've got to keep
1: us closer. Here I am. On the road again. There I am. All right, here we are. Cowboys fans, what we've been waiting for the entire season. We've been talking about it, speculating about it. We've been putting the conversation off till this time. Like, wait, let's wait till the playoffs. Then, then it'll really matter. Well, we're here. It's the playoffs. Cowboys, Buccaneers. Game number one, hopefully the first of many this offseason, we're here to preview it all on About Them Cowboys, so welcome in. I'm Kent, producing for The Athletic Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribed to this show as we get the playoffs cranked up, and also to The Athletic, because John Machoda and Bob Stern are going to have some great Cowboys coverage coming for you. It's theathletic.com slash Cowboys. it's where you go to get the best of deal. But I'm joined by three the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. Introducing first Saad Youssef from the Athletic, your Stars and Cowboys beat writer. Your all-time full-time Cowboys beat writers, John Mishoda. He'll be at the game and the host for this episode again. KT Turner.
2: Hey KT. Hello Kent. Also looking forward to your top five albums of all time at the end of this thing. But let's uh, oh get god, the brass tacks here, right? Uh, disclaimer, as always, we are recording this on Tuesday evening. So we got six days to the game, Tuesday evening. Now that we're about 48 hours away from Sunday's, uh, garbage fire, still, did that wash off of you, John? Have you burnt the tape as McCarthy liked to say, or are you still kind of super concerned? Because I know that when I gave it some time, I'm not feeling great. Um, in fact, I feel the way I did last year when I actually was like, yeah, I think the 49ers are going to beat the Cowboys. And the reason I'm saying that's because I think it's a bad matchup and I think this is a bad matchup and this team's not exactly giving a lot of signs of inspiration. So where do you stand right now before we start talking position, uh, battles and things like that?
3: I could not agree with you more. This absolutely has not washed off at all. Um, I don't look at this as a one season thing because I believe this program has been being built for three years, but most importantly, the last two. And for it to look the way it is at this back end of the season to look so much similar to the way it looked at the back end of last season. And then to see how everything transpired last season and how easily you could see coming off of what we saw Sunday in Washington, that it could end the exact same way this way uh, this season. Yeah, there's not a lot for me to sit there and just kind of move that game aside and say, hey, it's just an outlier. Not not to play your worst game, not not to play your starters what would have almost been the entire game because you were trying to win that game. Uh, not, not 26 to six to Sam Howell and that crew in Washington. I don't care if Washington had their whole starters, you should never lose to Washington 26 to six, not this Washington team. Uh, they don't, they're not good enough at the quarterback position for you to lose by 20 to the commander. Sorry, just that's not, that should never happen. So I don't understand how anybody, unless you're just, uh, you know, blind, believe me again, I, I know I probably talk about this too much. I'm from Detroit. Lions fans, there's not a lot to cheer about, but I can tell you this right now: you go to the stadium, and they're, you're always going to have your diehards. It doesn't matter that the Lions have never won a Super Bowl; that they're always going, you're going to have those those fans for the Cowboys. I get it; it's part of your life. I'm not telling you to do any different. But if you want honest assessments of the way the team's playing from somebody that really, my whole life that is all surrounded around this this team, and it has been for the last decade, I don't know how you can watch that game in Washington and honestly look in the mirror and tell yourself, "Oh no." That's just an outlier. They'll get it back on the tracks in Tampa. Could that happen? Sure. Could there be a big moment in the game in Tampa that maybe sparks things, turns momentum? Sure. But there's nothing we've seen recently to make you think that. And honestly, one thing I wanted to point out, KT, I'm interested to hear your take on this. What I've watched, I feel like for the better part of the last month and a half, is a team that played its best ball against the Vikings, and we're almost like, "Yep, we showed you we're ready. Let's start the playoffs." and then have just kind of had it in cruise control ever since. And I don't think that that's a good thing going into the playoffs.
2: No, no, it's, it's, it's bad news bears, to be honest. And, you know, there's, we can talk about the reasons why I, I think you can lean on injuries. I mean, look, the Anthony Brown injury and the Terrence still injury are absolutely huge. And the running game has tapered off since Terrence still got hurt. It kind of matches up pretty well there. And if they can't run the ball a little bit, and teams are able to stop the Cowboys with four defenders, five defenders, and then zone out in the back and give Dak a lot of opposing color to look at. It ain't good. The Cowboys offense isn't good, and that's where I'm just really concerned. You know, the thing about this this specific matchup is Tampa Bay is uh, has a really good defense, and it's a defense – that's been put in a lot of bad positions. This defense could be way better than it's been. The offense has put this defense in some terrible positions. uh, Really, all year long, except in like clutch situations. And that, to me, is where I kind of go, okay, well, are they going to be able to stop the run? I think they are. The the number one concerning thing to me, and if I'm repeating what we said on Sunday, I, I apologize. The Cowboys were trying their damnedest to move the football on Sunday against a lot of backups from Washington. And I really would love to be a little more optimistic and, and come in and not seem seem like a negative Nancy or a Debbie Downer. But, dude, they were trying to move the ball and couldn't do it. And that is just the ultimate of slaps in the faces. So, I don't know, man. It's, now, look – Got a long time, maybe we have a good week of practice, get to Monday night, lights on, maybe you get up early. The thing this team needs, and it's a lot to ask on a guy, but you know what? If you can rave about a guy in October, then you can ask for him to do something in January. And by something, I mean a lot. They need Micah Parsons to wreck a game. They need Trayvon Diggs to, to get you a big interception. And Micah Parsons hasn't wrecked a game in a long time. And that needs to happen. I'm very fascinated to see how they end up deploying him because you know we'll see if we're getting late Ash back. I know uh, McCarthy said that he's kind of trending up and things like that. So we get Vanderash back, maybe he could cover we know Brady likes to throw a lot of short passes. They need Micah Parsons to have not only a one good good game run, they need him to have two three four game run. otherwise, this thing's dead in the water.
3: I agree um. To your point about getting, they're supposed to get, they plan on getting Layton Vander Esch back and Jonathan Hankins and Biotish um, and, and, uh, to, uh to Bland with the chest injury. They expect mm-hmm. to have all of those guys. So Great. will they be 100%? No, but it, it obviously helps things to have those guys out there because they're some of your better players. Uh, and we all understand that. My big issue with their injuries is that it's not like they don't have Dak, CD, Schultz, Zach Martin, Micah, Demarcus Lawrence, Trayvon Diggs. Don't no those guys are those guys are out there and they're playing. But we're going to talk about how a season was derailed because Terrence Steele went down. That's what we're going to do. That we're going to we are derailed because a se, your second and third best corner went down. I, I mean, not not your number one com- corner, not 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 your All Pro corner. He's out there, but you can't find another number two or three. And I do think they found a, a, another guy in Jaron Bland if, as long as he's healthy, but. Those are things to point to, and and I'm not saying that they shouldn't be considered. But you shouldn't play as poorly as you did Sunday because of those things. You, there's just too many yeah. good players that had their helmets and shoulder pads on Sunday in Washington for you to play that way. To sit there and be like, yeah, but you know what, John? They didn't have Biadish and Steele and Leighton Vanderesh. Uh, oh, oh, that's why they. Gave up 150 yards to a bunch of guys I don't know, and and Sam Howell. Oh, okay, that makes total sense. I get it now. I mean, there, it's it's inexcusable. Um, and so because of that, I wanted to go back and look. I'm like, you know what? Let let's go back to training camp and what 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 the thought process was there. And that was that wasn't to make the playoffs. That was to make a playoff run. And so for tomorrow for the athletic, I'm going to be writing about kind of where things are right now. And I wanted to go back and look. And to me, a, a deep playoff run, or at least to meet those expectations would be the conference championship game. And after the Vikings game, I don't think anybody would have said that's out of line. The way they've played the last month and a half, you probably do think that's out of line. But I was like, let me just go back and, and, and look through team after team and see how the teams that made it to the AFC or NFC championship game did uh, at the end of the season. You know, let's see how they finished mm-hmm. it out. So I figured let's go back the last 10 years because that's four teams each year. So that's 40 teams. I was like, let me see how these teams have done. Let me see if I can find some teams that played this poorly at the end of the year. And so in the last 10 years, the only teams I can find are so the Jaguars in in 2017. They lost their last two games, finished 10-6. and They went, and they went to the AFC Championship game, lost to the Patriots. Pretty good game, 24-20. Bortles? Only diff- one, yeah, Bortles. So, I mean, you can sit there and say, hey, I could see. You. Keep in mind, though, that Jags team— They played their first uh, playoff game at home. They weren't on the road, you know, so there's not apples to apples completely. The only other time before that in the last 10 years is so the Patriots in 2015 lost their last two games, finished 12 and four. They lost the AFC championship game to the Broncos, again, close, 20 to 18. So those are the only two teams out of those 40 in the last 10 years that have had somewhat of a questionable finish to the season, okay? Then I can go back to 2012. If you're a Cowboys fan and you want hope, 2012 Ravens is your hope. They went on to win the Super Bowl after losing four of their last five. Joe Flacco was their quarterback. Mm -hmm. Certainly not – he was awesome in the playoffs, though. It wasn't – they didn't win just because they had a great defense. Joe Flacco was awesome in in that postseason run. That's probably where you hang your hat. And then before that, you'd have to go all the way back to 2009. The Saints and Colts played in the Super Bowl, and both the Saints and Colts – the Saints, they lost to the Cowboys that year. They were 13-0, lost to the Cowboys, lost their last three games. Colts lost their last two games. Both those teams went on to go to the Super Bowl. So, certainly not apples to apples when you're talking about Drew Brees and Peyton Manning on those teams. But so there's a couple. But again, this is a sample size of you know we're talking 50 plus teams that that where this happened. It's it's not a great. There's just not a lot of ch- a lot of evidence to show you that no 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 no. It's fine if you're playing like this at the end of the season. You get in the playoffs and you just turn it on, especially when you're starting on the road.
2: From a uh, from a standpoint. I want to get into what Jerry said today about McCarthy yeah, let's do that. that's definitely going to be a topic. So For sure. Um, well, you know what? Let's do that now. Let's do that now and then let's talk about the game a little bit. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's uh, comments, um, do you have them with you? I, I, can, I, I read them. In some. Oh, yeah, I can, I can read them Twitter off real quick. Account, so, yeah. um, but it was basically asked about McCarthy. Honestly, I don't like that it's a topic. It shouldn't be a topic before a playoff game. But you're the Cowboys, and if Jerry Jones doesn't want that to be a topic, yeah, he's done nothing over the past, I guess, 30 years to stop that from happening. So, <laughs> But here we are. So it is a, it is definitely a thing.
3: Yeah, so he was at – Jerry Jones was asked uh, Tuesday morning on the fan if anything that – is there anything that could happen in that uh, playoff game against Tampa Bay in the wild card round that could impact his job status? And at first he just says, no, no, that's it, No. Which you can take that whatever you want, but it like it doesn't mean much, and I'll tell you why in a second. And then he added, "I don't need to go into all the pluses or minuses. I've got a lot more to evaluate, Mike McCarthy, on than this playoff game. First of all, there's no way that you're going to sit there and go in right oh for playoff. That's oh, that's uh, I don't like that as a fan slash. There's, there's no way
1: person, but yeah,
3: there's no way you're going to go into this game and say anything other than no that it, this isn't going to impact their game. Why would you sit there and say?" Yeah, if they lose or if we lose on Monday, he's out. You're not going to sit there and say that. I mean, sure. the cha- the percentage chance of an owner saying that in any sport is less than 1%. So I didn't expect him to say that. But I, I, I mean, I, I get it that some people might listen to it and say, yeah, but he had so much conviction. This is this is Jerry Jones. Yeah. Okay, let them play like they did on Sunday against Washington and then then we'll ask him in the locker room after and I promise you we will have a way different tune. You know, I mean he's the one that also said after the game on Sunday that, you know, he's disappointed disappointed for our fans, but not as disappointed as I will be if we're in the same position next next week which would be them losing the wild card round. So I, you can take that, and, and if you don't know Jerry E's, you might sit there and think that this is some vote of confidence. No, they need to play well and, and, and I believe, win that game to move any of that talk away because 12-5, and five, two years in a row, very impressive. Playoffs, back-to-back years, very impressive. Mike McCarthy was hired to win in the playoffs, and if you were to sit there and tell Jerry Jones that you would have the team that he has, you know, Relatively healthy I, again. I know no Beatish, no 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 Terrence Steele and all that. I got all of that, but relatively healthy at, at the key positions. He would he would take that. You're going to win at least a couple playoff games, and to come up with none, there'd be a lot of people saying like, I get it. Garrett wasn't winning back to back twelve win seasons, but there was he at least won a playoff game, you know? So there's going to be some issues there that things that he said Tuesday morning on one Oh five, three, the fan aren't going to hold weight a week later. And my one issue with it though, that I have to add in here though, is people don't make just coaching changes just to go. We just need to make a coaching change when you're winning. You might do it when you're losing. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Texans. I mean, I don't think they should have been making a coaching change. I thought Lovey Smith did a great job, but when you're bad, it's a little bit different when you're winning You make a coaching change because you think you have someone that can take it to the next level and be better. Jason Garrett didn't just get fired because they were just going eight and eights and they were barely, you know, they won the division a couple of times, but they weren't making any deep playoff runs. Jerry thought that they should be going far into the playoffs. So that's why they went and got Mike McCarthy, somebody who had done it with Green Bay. So that's why he's here. So my question is, if you get rid of, if you get rid of him, then then which direction are you going? Because I get these emails that have every morning like the, the odds on favorites to get these coaching jobs. Yeah. And these lists don't have a lot of guys that you're just like, oh, well, yeah, they go get Jim Harbaugh or D'Amico Ryans or, you know, I mean, like, what is this really? So what are you doing?
2: There's a there's a lot there. Um, OK, here's. Question one: We know Jerry's infatuated with Sean Payton, that doesn't go away. Is Sean Payton doesn't go away, to, but
3: you got to give up picks, and you got to yeah, pay a he, lot of well, money for a guy that you don't even know is better, better than McCarthy.
2: That's what I was going to ask you: Is like, so Sean Payton and Mike McCarthy? To me, I don't know if there's a huge difference, but if there is, cool, whatever. We can fight that all day. Are you giving up the twenty fourth or twenty fifth pick in the draft to go get Sean Payton? That's no a way. bad move. No, so. Is, and also as a guy who goes 12-5, and five, let's say they lose and let's say they don't get blown out. Let's say it's a close game and they lose on Monday night. Is it fair for Mike McCarthy to lose his job? No,
3: no, it's probably not, but it probably is the not. business, you know, this yeah. is the Dallas Cowboys. And it has been 26 years since you've you've won a Super Bowl and even gone to the NFC Championship game. So while it's not fair... Um, there is a part of me that understands it's big business and it's the biggest of, you know, I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than sports in the Dallas Cowboys. It just doesn't. Uh, they don't win Super Bowls and they don't go to Super Bowls and they're the most popular team. So just imagine if they did get to one. Um, my, and then my other part of this is like, so then, you know, a lot of people say, Dan Quinn, you're just going to elevate Dan Quinn. How, how do you know that's the answer? Have you seen yeah. enough from them defensively this year where you're just like, well, that's a no brainer. Literally, to be honest with you, forget Dan Quinn, forget Mike McCarthy, forget the rest of the NFL. The only situation I can think of where I'd be like, yeah, you got to kind of do it. if Because there isn't this. This isn't them going to get Bill Parcells. There isn't that coach out there where you're just, oh, yeah. this is obvious. The only the only scenario I could come up with, and again, it's not a real one, but it would be if the Rams again won the Super Bowl this year, Sean, pa- Sean McVay was coming off going back-to-back Super Bowls, and he was like, hey, I'm leaving the Rams. I'm going out on top. I've always wanted to coach the Cowboys. And Jerry's like, what? Well, I- I got to do this. And he's coming off back-to-back Super Bowl wins. You you know, young coach and all that stuff like that. I get it. But even he just showed you this year how difficult it is to even be on that level. There's just no coach that you're going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, well, they got to get rid of Mike McCarthy right now because this guy is the answer. I would love to know who that guy is.
4: Yeah, Yeah, and also to to your point on that, John, I think, you know, our own uh, The Athletics' Chad Graff put out a piece today about Bill Belichick and the struggles that he's had just, you know – in in kind of making everything work in the post Tom Brady era, which kind of started in the last year of Tom Brady as well, to be fair. But um, but even Bel even Belichick has had these issues. So I think you know that to find that guy, it's it's really difficult. And I think you know when they did get Parcells, it was good timing and it was great at the moment. But that just doesn't happen very often.
2: You got you got a guy who's going to get you there. I mean McCarthy's going to get you in the dance. the The problem is you can let what he's done in three years get overshadowed by what's happened in 30 years. And I think that's where we kind of end up in this weird situation. That's a really good
3: point. You I know, agree. But the,
2: the infatuation of, um, you know, the infatuation of Jerry with Sean Payton is a storyline that doesn't end until it happens. Right. <laughs> so like, uh, it's until Sean always Payton goes go somewhere else. Or until Sean Payton goes somewhere else. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. And this is just as an aside, it has nothing to do. Well, it has a little to do with all this, I was interested in um, at Russell Wilson's post-game uh, press conference the other day, and obviously Sean Payton's involved. He was asked specifically about Sean Payton and specifically about Jim Harbaugh, and he went out of his way to mention Dan Quinn as a guy who knew really well as a great leader. I thought that was interesting. We've talked about Denver last year as a possible destination for Dan Quinn. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind. You, know, you look at the open jobs right now. It's Cardinals, Texans, Broncos, Colts, and Panthers. You know, None of those jobs – you look at those jobs, I go, well, I don't know who the quarterback is in Carolina. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be in Indianapolis. Uh, you're stuck with Russell in Denver. You might be able to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud in Houston. That's probably what you're looking at there. And then you're kind of in this weird Kyler boat if you go to Arizona. Like, none of those jobs are just like screaming, Hey, I want to go there. So, you know, I just, I, I,
3: and I just think the TV thing makes you look more attractive, especially if yeah. you're a coach that's won a Super Bowl. I'm not going to sit here and say that. Oh, yeah. NBC Sunday Night Football has made Jason Garrett a hot candidate to be a coach, but a coach that's won a Super Bowl that steps away from the game, you know, I mean, we've seen it for for decades, whether it's Gruden, Bill Cowher, Tony Dungy, and it just, it's always, their names are always in the cycle, you know, and it might not be high on the list, but they're always talked about and just, you just don't see them even come back and have that same success if any of them do come. I mean, John Gruden, obviously, when he came back, it wasn't like he just, you know, hit the ground running uh, and, and, and just took the Raiders to epic heights. I don't know that that Sean Payton. That's why Sean Payton's going to be very careful about where he picks because he knows that it's going to. Ha- he's going to have to have success. He's not going to go to some rebuild. That's why when 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 the rumors started coming out, you know, a few weeks ago about the Chargers, I was like, that makes a ton of sense. That team's ready to win now. Franchise quarterback with just unmistakable ability. That makes a ton of sense. Whereas like Denver, I don't know if you necessarily have that. So and, yeah. and hey, I think Dan Quinn is an excellent coach. I think he should be. I think he's one of the 32 best head coaches in the NFL. So I think he should have a head coaching job. But from a Cowboys perspective, I also don't sit here and think, oh yeah, if he's the head coach of the Cowboys, they're going to be way better than they've been these last two years if they made a change there. You know what I'm saying? Like I just don't yeah. see it being tremendously different or a significant upgrade. And and then, I like I said, I really liked your point about these coaches, the players, everything. They wear it for... Teams that they have had nothing to do with. There's no question about it. You know, Lions players are asked about that stuff all the time. They had nothing to do with not winning a championship since since '57. I get all of that, but we're also in a young man's game right now, more young man's game than ever. And there's also a part of me that's like, are you wasting the prime careers of a Dak Prescott, of a Micah Parsons, of a Trayvon Diggs? You know, things like that. That. You're not guaranteed to have these players, so you have to maximize what you have there because there's a part of me where I look at those guys, and again, going back to what I talked about with the injuries, they're not the ones that have been injured. What if next season they are? Like, There's no promise that you're going to have Micah Parsons playing at an NFL defensive player of the your level for multiple seasons. We've seen how banged up he's gotten this year. So There's a part of me where it's just like you have to capitalize now because there's no guarantee all of a sudden you start losing these guys injury and then it's the quote unquote rebuild in, in another year or two. And then you're just like, wow, what did you even accomplish off of that? Like I, I get it. 12 wins playoffs. That's great. No, but like, this is an organization that should be every once in a while making a Super bowl run. I'm not even talking about every five years, maybe not even 10, but is 15. Is that too much to ask? Every 15 years, a Super bowl run from the Dallas Cowboys. That doesn't sound like that's too much to ask for. No.
4: Yeah. And also, and also on top of that, John, I, I don't really think these Cowboys are are being held uh, accountable for the 2000 team or the 2005 team. I mean, if you look at Bob's piece in the athletic today, he's literally comparing them to 2021. I mean, some of, some of the, some of the accountability, I understand McCarthy is, is only been here for three years, but Dak's been here since 2016. Like this has been going on for a little while here too. So like, I, I get it. Some of, some of it, yes, they do get held accountable for the 26 years and, and all that stuff that goes on, but some of it is just, you know, what they have themselves set the precedent for. Like this, a lot of the concerns right now are going back to the San Francisco game last year, the tailspin at the end of the season last year, and I think that that's worth, you know, considering as well.
2: Yeah, uh, you, no, know, that.
4: that. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, KT. No,
2: no, no, you go, John.
4: No,
3: I agree with that. I'm not. I'm not saying there's just multiple things that these players are hearing. It's not like they, we walk up to them and ask them one question. While that is true, and I agree with that, they all are also asked questions about how. Yeah, but there is just something with the Cowboys. We're just like every year, it's something, and that's not going to be off of one year. That's because it's been twenty, the last twenty six years. They haven't the previous twenty six seasons. They have not had postseason success like you would expect. The one other thing I was going to say when I and I said about the. Um, capitalizing in a young man's league and winning now. I also want to add in there and no time in my life do I remember, and I'm not saying that it hasn't happened, but I would love to be reminded of, I just at no time can I remember uh, an NFC being as wide open as right now with very little franchise elite quarterback play in it. Like there's no guarantee it will stay this way either. You know, you got Rodgers is out of it. You got to play Tom Brady, but you're playing Tom Brady with arguably the worst br- Tom Brady team of his career. If, if you're not going to get him now, when are you going to get him? And if you get past him, you're not exactly f- facing Murderer's Row of quarterbacks. I'm sorry, like it's just it's just so wide open in, in the NFC right now.
2: Okay, so I want to before we kind of look at a uh, couple of the you know matchups and things like that. Little little positive news coming from you right here. Okay, you got the officials for this game, Craig oh, Rollstead. All right. Third fewest amount of flags this year. Like that. In his in his games this year, the home team has won forty-four percent of the time. Okay. The league average for a home team is 56%. Okay. So Cowboys have a little bit of a boost there. All the that home wins mean. he's
3: all the home wins he's officiated have been Tom Brady games, though. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Go on. <laughs>
2: uh, he only had see, he only had one Tom Brady game this year. He had no Cowboys games this year. Uh, But not a big flag-throwing crew right here. Uh, Love that. Steve Woods, financial advisor, Jim Mello, the facilities manager, the the biopharmaceutical rep, Trip Sutter. You know these guys. You know these guys. We know.
3: We're familiar with their work. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) But, (laughs) sorry. Um, So that's two years, though. Road teams over the last two years, typically, at least uh, odds will say, they win Craig Rostad games. So just something to keep an eye on there. Um when the Bucks have the ball. My question for both you and Sod, let's start with Sod this time. How are you going to deploy Micah Parsons, knowing that, you know, Tom Brady doesn't hold on to the ball very long and they like to implement the short passing game and Leighton Van Der Esch might be knocking up a little bit of rust there. How are you uh deploying uh Micah Parsons this week? Because that's the Number one important player for the Cowboys this week, even more so than Dak Prescott in my eyes, is Micah Parsons.
4: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree on the importance of Micah. I think I think when you look back at, at week one, I think that gave you a little bit of a template, the way he did beat the tackles and, and got to Tom Brady quick, especially down in the red zone, um, the way he did that. I think I, I don't think I'd be using him super situationally. I think you want him on the field as much as possible, um, for me, I think I, I, I would try to use them in stunts, like, you know, try to try to get the middle of the middle of the, uh, of the pocket kind of crowded. And, uh, that's really where you beat Tom Brady. I'm not going to try to have Micah Parsons beat the left tackle off the edge every single time because he's just never going to get home to Brady. I think you got to have stunts. you got to work the inside, um, whether that's working with Demarcus Lawrence or whatever tackles you're working with at that point. Um, but I think you have to, you have to be a little bit more creative than just, unless it's third and nine, third and 10, then tee off and and go after Brady. But I think typically you have to be working inside and with stunts.
3: Yeah, I agree. That's where the best pressure has come against Brady is, is definitely up the middle. So, uh, I need to see a big game out of somebody in the middle. It's going to, whether it's Gallimore, Odigizua, Hankins, move Golston in there. If Micah lines up over the center, whatever, they got to cause some problems up there. And and that's the thing, you know, it, Micah needs to wreck a game. And that, that would be, if you can ask for one thing, that certainly would be the thing you ask for from this team. No question. But you also need other guys to step up, whether it's Sam Williams, whether it's Demarcus Lawrence or, uh, Dorrance Armstrong, who I thought played pretty, actually pretty good against Washington, which is a very, one of very, 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 very few bright spots. Um, so, yeah, there's going to have to be – it's going to have to be more than just Micah. Tom Brady's going to know where Micah Parsons is all the time. I mean, yeah. they, that's not going to be – he's not going to get surprised by anything that that Micah does. And they're going to send a lot of bodies at him, just like they have the last two times that they've played the Bucs. You know, there are a lot of chips from Leonard Fournette. That's been one of the most interesting aspects of the last two times they've played the Bucs is that there's been a little back and forth between, you know, Micah and Leonard Fournette. On, uh, uh, he's obviously a big back. He's strong. He's very good at chipping. And so uh, they're going to have a plan for Micah Parsons. So uh, I, I think you need some of these other guys to maybe have one of their better games of the season somehow, some way.
2: Yeah, I think also, I mean, look, the, the Bucks have not read the ball really well, but, uh, you know, worry about covering. Dan Quinn, I know, made some comments like, we were just kind of seeing who we we're going to go with in the postseason. So we let everyone play. I would imagine Nashawn Wright has the edge. Would you agree with me there, John, over Kelvin Joseph?
3: <laughs> oh yeah, Kelvin Joseph is out at this point. Um, yeah, I would actually say Kelvin Joseph is probably at the bottom. Uh, yeah, maybe even further down than Xavier Rhodes, who they just signed on Saturday. Wow. Uh, yeah, nice. no, Kel- I don't. I would be absolutely stunned if Kelvin Joseph got out there, unless there was just this rash of injuries. Uh, no, I think yeah, I agree with you. I think they'd probably go with Wright, Wright, Bland, and, and Diggs will be your three most used corners in this game.
4: I think I think KT. One thing that you mentioned about their running game and that kind of concerns me is. Tom Brady is a very matchup driven guy. I think he'll pick apart corners in the passing game. But man, if you think back to that week one and the way they targeted Trayvon Diggs in the run game, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Brady start, is checking to a lot of that and running counters and, and outside tosses right at Trayvon Diggs and kind of throwing him off of his game as well while he also picks apart other corners in the passing game on the other side of the field.
2: Yeah, that's the thing that's going to be annoying. If uh, Julio Jones, who is washed, starts hurting you because you don't have enough guys to cover. That is going to be just a tough pill to swallow. You know, Mike Evans has really been good the back half of the season. Um, and he, he's really, without him, they may be, well, it's hard to say because that division's so bad. So they'd probably still be in the playoffs no matter what. But Mike Evans has ended up turning it on a little bit. I know Russell Gage got a little banged up you know, in the game the other day. They got this guy, Devin Tompkins, they like to give the ball to on end rounds and things like that. Kind of a speed demon guy who you don't hear much about. They'll probably implement him for a trick play or two every now and then. So, you know, I just I don't think they're going to go put up 30 on the Cowboys. My concern now goes to the other side of the ball. Let's talk about when the Cowboys have the ball against the Bucks defense. Since Terrence Steele's been out there, they haven't been able to run the ball. So this team can't run the ball. That's a problem. I don't know that that gets fixed. And I love Tyron Smith. I don't love Tyron Smith at right tackle, but what are your options, right? I I had heard this, and I heard this from Jeff Kavanaugh, who I do a morning show with on The Freak. And he said they like McGovern at right guard more than any other position. Yeah, that's right. And that's where I just kind of go, man, what were your options? Uh, I know it's too late. I know Tyron volunteered. And I know this is maybe just grasping at straws while drowning. Um, but like there's something that feels better about what if we did just do the whole Zach Martin? I know you don't like it. Go out to right tackle McGovern, right guard, Tyler Smith, left guard, Tyron goes to left tackle. McCarthy made comments quoting Josh Sitton, a former, um, Packers offensive lineman talking about the difference in left tackle and right tackle is like wiping your ass with the wrong, uh, uh, with the opposite hand, which if you guys have ever tried it, it's weird. <laughs> um, so like I did, let me I throw, out, can I like throw out, can I throw out?
3: Let me throw out a hypothetical off that though. Yeah, man. While I I understand that and that does sound unpleasant. If you told me that in 2009, 10, and eleven, for all those years, I had to wipe with the other hand. If I got three years of experience and I because I don't know what Tyrant's high school experience is at right tackle, and then I went back to you know wiping with my other hand for the majority of my career, hmm. and then there was one year I had to go, and not even a year, it's like a couple months. I, I I don't know that it would be that difficult on the wiping side, but on the playing, the, the offensive tackle side, I get that that would be a little bit more difficult. I just bring this up because do we just not think that Tyron Smith might just be done?
2: I I still think he's... Okay as a pass blocker.
3: Was he okay against the 49ers in the playoffs? And how much have we seen him in between that?
2: Yeah.
1: I think that
3: McCarthy is, not think, I know McCarthy is not the type of person to call any, he will never call a player out at the podium. There's just no, he will not do that. So he went with the sit in line, which we've now heard three times since he's been the Cowboys head coach. That's been his kind of a go-to. And just think about it from a psychological standpoint. When you answer that way, it gets laughs. It takes people off of the thing. That also was an ender at that press conference uh on Monday. Like, because he doesn't want to sit there and probably say, Yeah, no, Tyron's not very good right now, you know? So we'll go to the sitting line and, you know, we'll talk about wiping asses because it'll take away from that. To the to the Cowboys, to defend the Cowboys on this, I just don't think that they have somebody that can play right tackle. I just I mean, so it's like Tyron, you're the guy now. You know, they just didn't have a good enough yeah. backup plan because Peters can't play it. Uh, Zach Martin clearly doesn't want to play it. Uh, so what does that leave you with? You're, you're gonna you're gonna have your your left tackle rookie that you thought was going to be your left guard. You're gonna move him over to. I mean, they're just this is where they're at. You know,
2: it's a bummer because the run game has suffered because of it. And like I don't know, man. Uh, you yeah, you get away from Sunday, right? You get away from Sunday where it's it oddly felt even they're down thirteen nothing. It felt like they're just trying to run the ball and get out of there a little bit. It's but, also
4: it's also just a. A damning kind of reflection for me when you think back to two years ago, what the conversation was about Terrence Steele, and then and then the kind of year that he had last year, and then they let Lyle go, and everyone was like, "How could you let Lyle go and and put Terrence in this big role?" And this is all revolving around the loss of Terrence Steele. I think you know, obviously, if you had Terrence Steele, you you feel a lot better about all this, and it's it's just kind of the way it goes, I guess.
2: Yeah, and I uh I think too I mean look here's the thing. If uh if Dak can go play hero ball a little bit, we haven't seen Dak run much and you won't see him run much, I don't think, but that's something that could maybe get things going. Some things that you're just gonna run, unorthodox. this is the time to do it,
3: man. There's no tomorrow, so I don't know what you're saving <laughs> saving it for, seriously. And and I'm not, and I'm not just even talking about this season. If you're Dak Prescott Winning on su- on Monday night is way more important than any game you've played up until this point in your career. He needs to win in the postseason. Yeah. He needs to win with this team. If that means you have to run 8 to 10 times, you go and run 8 to 10 times because if, if you don't and you lose, there's no tomorrow anyway. So let it all hang out.
2: They just haven't been a very explosive team for a while. And uh, part of that's, yes, the injuries on the offensive line. We all know that. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't... I like. It's weird because the Tennessee game, Victorville, you you did put up a bunch of points against the Eagles and moved the ball well. One more real quick on that. Hold on.
3: Hold on. I'm not burning. I'm not. I'm not done burning on this. He might never play in another playoff game. There's no guarantee that you're just going to go to the playoffs every year. This could be the last playoff game of his career. So you're going to sit there and be like, "I can't run." And and I'm saying this because I know that Dak doesn't think that way. If if he thinks that the run is there, he's going to run the ball. I mean that just. It, things are different when you're in the playoffs. There's no. That kind of
1: scares me a bit, though, because that's when we see Dak turn the ball over. It's when he gets yeah. in hero mode. And that's the
3: way it's been for the back half of this season. So do you think that that's all of a sudden going to change in this playoff game? I don't think so.
2: Will uh. make me feel better about things, John. Damn it.
3: <laughs> I And I would have if I didn't have to watch that game on Sunday in Washington.
1: But if I just feel like if Dak ever has the feeling like, I got to do this myself, that's when... Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't necessarily mean that. I
3: mean, I mean more like let me go get these six, seven yards, get down and slide because the defense is offering this certain type of look. And if I don't do this, they're not going to change up what they're doing. So this will kind of maybe force them to adjust and open some other things, I up, got you. you know, yeah. where you might not want to do that in week four because you're just like, what's the risk reward off this? Like this is we're going to have another 10 games like we're not doing this yeah. right now. But in the playoffs, I mean, you know, get out there. And if, and if you have to run a little bit more, you have to run a little bit more. You do whatever you can to win that game because there's no guarantee that you get another playoff game.
4: I mean, what was it earlier this year? Was it the Vikings game or the Colts game where he got down to the goal line and, and was, you know, trying to linebacker his way into the end zone. I think it was the Vikings game, but, um, but yeah, I mean like, you know, he, he, he does it on occasion, but like, you're right. I mean, if you're going to do that in the middle of the regular season, you, you better do it. You better leave everything hanging on Monday.
2: We've seen him do that in the playoffs before. You know, right. Think back to the Rams game yeah. years ago. Did like it in that. Seattle. This is where or did go. it against Seattle
3: and yeah, his yeah. only playoff win. Yeah,
2: I think where I, I go to is like the style of the game matters. And the Cowboys, ad nauseum, we've said, need to get ahead. We know all that stuff. Put pressure on the opposing team via pass rush, all that stuff and unless you can get, like, a, a quick jump on things, the offense wants to be explosive. They want to try to be explosive. They want to push the ball down the field, which brings, you know, things like interceptions into the mix and things like that. But that's what they want to do, and then kind of, like, lean on their run game and, and all that stuff. I just don't think the matchup caters to that. And that's where, you know, you give me the Vikings, I feel way better about this game. Uh, 49ers and Bucks to me, were were scary. I wouldn't really play the Eagles, to be honest. Um, I know that's pretty debatable, considering they've got the bye. I want nothing to do with San Francisco right now, which is weird. The Brock Purdy thing is that I'm I'm just more conflicted about that than anything else in sports. Um, but it, you keep watching him; and he keeps making kinda, more throws to you prove kinda him he, You kind of think you kind of
3: think eventually he's going to have his
1: TCU versus Georgia game.
2: I do think if- it's coming, but I don't know that there's a team in the NFC that can make it happen.
1: If you're the Cowboys or the Cowboys fan, who do you want to win between the Giants and Vikings? Vikings. Mm.
2: Actually, Giants. I don't care. I think I'd rather the Giants.
1: They, they, yeah.
3: If you, well, are are you hoping someone beats the Niners? Is that?
2: No, Seattle's not going to beat San Francisco. Let's get that. Seattle's not a playoff team, so that doesn't Who's count. Who's got
3: the best chance of beating San Francisco? That's who you want to win. And I don't I don't see any way that that's the New York football Giants. Sorry. I,
2: I think I would say Vikings because I think I can go beat the Eagles. Right. I don't feel good. And NFL players don't talk like this, right? Teams don't talk this. I'm, just, mm, I'm, I'm saying this as a, from a, pan, a fan or a football-watching perspective. The Cowboys going to San Francisco, that reeks of bad news bears to me, dude. Sure. I mean, you know, San Francisco not only beating teams, they're beating the brakes off teams. So I would say Minnesota. So Minnesota has to go f- slay that dragon. And then you would, if you win and you can win, you would get Philadelphia. I, I would say, as, as negative as the tone might be on this podcast, I do think there's a chance the Cowboys win the game. Yeah. I'm course. just not picking them. Yeah. I'm just not going to pick them. Yeah.
3: No, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't understand how. You could expect me to follow the team, cover the team, watch this team as much as I've had over the last 10 years and think that I'm going to watch that game on Sunday in Washington and all of a sudden go, no, 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 that's just an outlier. It's fine. It's (laughs) fine. This is playoff time now. Now they're ready. Like I said, there could be things that happen in this game where all of a sudden you're just like, wow, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe – you know, I can give you a good example right now. If you want to talk about a a good sign early in the game – let Dak hit Michael Gallup for a couple quick gainers, first downs like that. When Michael Gallup yeah. gets involved early, he's usually in a good spot. You can run off CD off of Dalton Schultz off of that. A bad sign is Dak just throwing a bunch of balls to Noah Brown, uh, forcing passes to Noah Brown, like where you're just, I mean, if we're going to do this, let's force it to the CD, you know? Uh, yeah. that that's, that's where I would, you know, force and passes to Ferguson and her, her Hendershot. You know, that's where I'd be like, Maybe throwing maybe throwing a swing past the Zeke when he's not looking. You know, that's when you get you get kind of concerned about how things are going. You know.
2: Let's get to picks. I'll go first. Sorry, wrote it down. It's been this way since yesterday. I haven't changed. It's where I feel. Tampa Bay twenty four sixteen. I hate saying it, but that's <laughs> where I'm at. Uh, let's go to you, Kent.
1: Oh, okay. Well, we started off this this show you guys said, you know, woke up this week, didn't feel any different today than after the game. I feel a little different. Oh? I don't know. I don't know if it's something weird in my gut. Maybe what do you take before you go to sleep. Maybe it's uh actually um I take the uh Sunday Scary CBD gummies.
2: Melatonin. Yes. Oh, okay. So, uh
1: shout hey, so out to spontaneous. Uh, Is Scaries. that like
3: do they sponsor our podcast? Yes. Do they spon- <laughs> like, okay. Sorry. I love
2: Sunday Scary. We're going
3: to
1: talk about this uh, after the show. I have some questions about this. Okay. Um, I'm trying to get the CBD. Some game. call it. Yeah, maybe I'm high. Maybe it's delusion. But I, I feel <laughs> like I feel pretty good about this. Like better than <laughs> I thought I would on Monday morning when I woke up. I'm like, man, uh, the, the the skies are blue right now. For me. So I'm feeling redemption for TCU's loss in the national championship. Let's go. Cowboys 65
2: bucks seven. All right, Tom Brady, eat that. A a double loss for Michigan over to Mm -hmm. sod.
4: There's only one team in the NFL that I've watched just as much as the Cowboys. And that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. And I'm telling you, they play 10 minutes of football a game. They play 10 to 15 minutes a game. Um, and they don't really show up for now, man, if they play those 10 to 15 minutes at the end of the game, they're going to win. So that, that's where I'm super conflicted. Um, but I'm going to take the Cowboys and I'm going to say they win 30 to 20 because I don't see a scenario where they win a one score game. If it's a one score game, Tom Brady's going to win it. So I'm going to say they win 30 to 20.
2: All
3: right, John. Perfect. I don't need to add much more to that. A lot of the same stuff Sad said, but I'm going Bucks 24 to 20. Um I do think that the Bucks um are not, I definitely don't think that they're the better team. And uh I do think if it's a one-score game the Bucks win. And I think it'll be close. I, th- I definitely think the Cowboys will play much better uh than they did against Washington obviously. Uh because I said it they they'd score 20 uh, against a better team than Washington, but now nah, I just don't have I don't have a lot of confidence off of off of that Washington game, coupled with how they've played since Minnesota. That was just that that left such a bad taste after watching that against that team to just think that they're just going to turn it around. Uh, It's possible. I mean, I mean, it's sports, you know, It crazy things happen. But uh, I got bucks 24-20.
2: 24-20. All right. Well, there it is. We will uh, be with you on Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Monday night late after the game, as I remember that it's a Monday night game. Monday night late after the game, we'll have that for you. Obviously, if there's anything emergency happens during the week, we'll be with you with an emergency podcast as well.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: We have to finish up our album series as well. Kent, top five oh. albums of all time from an actual musician and rock star. Kent, oh. formerly of the very popular pop punk band, Forever the Sickest Oh, very Kids. popular
1: would be, <laughs> who you t- depending on who you talk to in <laughs> Dallas would say that, but maybe. You've
2: headlined many festivals, sir. In, in, a, in There was a time, KT. The yeah, time. there
1: was a time. There was a time. This is going to be the most sad white boy list of all time. Uh, when I put this together, I'm like, man, I need to branch I need to branch out more <laughs> All the right, some kinds of music I, right. I listen to. <laughs> Backstreet so, Boys uh, and sync. Here we go. Let's go. Number five. I guess this is probably the newest album on the list, but it's still not like super new. I think KT would be familiar with this. <laughs> This is uh, lonerism from Tame Impala. Tame Impala, yes. KT,
2: this is good stuff. You were at the uh, show
1: cool. where they opened for the National, right in Dallas, like yeah. uh, around this time. Yeah, right, right around this time, this this record came out. Uh, great, great record. Great band.
2: One of the best live bands.
1: Stars.
2: Before what? They'd blown up into huge stars. This is before they were huge, and they were sitting outside by a van, looked like a bunch of hippies. It was really, really wild. And then about two years later, they're huge.
1: Yeah, they they were opening that show. That was at the Southside Ballroom in Dallas, mm-hmm. which is a you know five hundred to a thousand people. And then my wife and I just saw them this last year at the AAC. So yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> Pretty spaceship. amazing trajectory. Great, great yeah. live show if you ever get a chance to see them too. Great rock, dance rock, uh, you know, 70s rock uh band from Australia. There you go. There's my number five, Lonerism. Um, this album I don't know how big a jazz guys you are, but like this album I've probably listened to the most in my lifetime. I've MC Hammer,
3: li- Hammer, please hammer don't hurt 'em. <laughs>
1: Honestly, I probably listened to that one uh, a ton of my lifetime. Big MC Hammer guy in the 90s. I had that one for sure. Uh, But this is Miles Davis uh, Kind of Blue. And this album I've probably listened to, I don't know, almost once a week for like 20 plus years or so. It's just a great uh, jazz album and, uh, you know, always have it on when I'm reading or studying, working, driving, sleeping, uh, yeah, great, great album, big jazz guy. And, uh, this is one of the all timers. If you, uh, every true if you're musician a really
2: likes jazz, you know, Do they? Musician. I, I thought it was I, jaz- more of
1: a, more of a niche nerd thing than, uh,
2: for me, jazz
4: is, thing. jazz is one of those things where it's, it's very sophisticated and, and, you know, you just, when you go out for a nice dinner or something like that, it's gotta be, it's gotta be jazz and not, I have like a deep appreciation for that for that genre, but I don't necessarily listen to it myself. But I think uh, Kent, you last time we got done with KT's album, you gave me a you texted me a wreck, and it was really good. So I'm gonna give this yeah. a shot too because this is this is a jam.
1: Yeah, Get, go. Was this go. in
3: uh, w- Was this in Whiplash?
1: This was not. I mean, this Roofing style of music was great. was certainly certainly in Whiplash, Caravan, and and all that stuff. I but, like that uh, movie. Yeah, love that's that. That's what this movie. reminded me of. Love so. okay. Hey, see his new movie, uh, Babylon, if you like jazz too. Tons of jazz in, in, in that one. But uh, yeah, love did, jazz. Did you not and, like and, uh, Whiplash, by the way, Ken? Oh, I love it. It's a, okay, just making sure. A, it, it might be a top five movie for me. I, I love movie. that movie. so intense. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, movie. no, you're right. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of blue for Miles Davis. Um, probably my most listened to album of my lifetime. Um, here we go. Top three, number three. Oh, there's, there's, there's like an intro on this or something I don't know
2: mm. let's go this
1: is a yep. John the jam get. he's bobbing his head you know this is
4: a really good song good a little
1: uh, Led Zeppelin Houses of the Holy Houses of the Holy has always been my favorite one uh, the one I return to the most um, kind of like the later Zeppelin stuff before they got too too late in their careers, and uh, this record total ten out of ten for me. Love it.
2: I uh, co- i come here, and also I think House of the Holy is probably my second favorite. But God, Led Zeppelin love we'll no lose quarter much. on
1: this one. No quarter is yeah. one of the great great long live rock songs ever just an awesome heavier song too So uh, got some poppier ones, acoustic ones on that record too, so House of the Holy awesome, awesome record and easily in my top 5. Led Zeppelin might be my favorite band of all time like Desert Island, they're probably the Desert Island band if I had to take like one band's discography on a Desert Island, it'd probably be Zeppelin
0: I'll never
1: get tired of that over New Kids on the Black (laughs) <laughs> oh shoot Now I gotta redo this list oh, my Gosh <laughs> Sorry Dang Don uh, Top two here uh, m- More sad b- white boy music Here we go oh, man Man, man. Blue Oh yeah blue. All right Oh yeah Uh yeah Weezer, the blue album For sure a lot of people say Pinkerton. I don't know where you fall on that KT on Pinkerton Blue. But no, uh blue. I'm always team blue.
2: Actually I think uh Make Believe from 06 might be my second favorite Weezer album. I know that's wow,
1: a Wow, that's a pretty hot take. I like yeah, that. That's
2: a, huh? a yeah, deeper, that's a good one. Right yeah, the blue
1: Rick Rubin blue. one. Yeah, yeah, Rick Rubin one. It's a lot of uh, gummies gummy music, classic. you know. Just really yeah, hell
2: yeah, man. Killing a whole bottle.
1: This this the album sweater though, "Sweater song. song," "Buddy Holly," "Surf Wax America," "Say It Ain't So." Yeah, that's total, a lot of hits. Th-
2: total th- th- jams. What, Only this in is their first album? You said yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. Nineteen
2: ninety-four. Ninety-four, my man.
3: Oh yeah, this has got big time middle school vibes for me.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, me too. Yeah, late, I was late big elementary,
2: early middle school. Yeah, I was six.
1: This is the uh, influencing my musical career band uh, the most probably Uh, them or Blink 182 uh, (laughs) you know back in the day classic I remember seeing them play that on Conan back in the day like when they first started it was just awesome Uh, number one here for me number one band number one record this better be what I think it is or I'm gonna be really disappointed 1994
4: here we go
2: (laughs)
1: They go oasis my favorite band come on
2: dude there's nothing wrong with oasis my man
1: total total masterpiece best debut album maybe incredible nice incredible album. Maybe, Who's maybe I'll lean behind weezer <laughs> they, oh yeah they just liam master. gallagher
4: good people this yeah. is the album this this is a this is the album that like my teachers kind of like threw on us and like this is what we listened to in school growing up because oh, this really? is all their favorite yeah absolutely yeah. I, I mean I, I absolutely love it
1: for sure yeah it's classic classic album Supersonic Live Forever Columbia uh, Rock and Roll Star Cigarettes and Alcohol so many great great songs was, uh, and then the one after this Morning Glory of course with Champagne Supernova and yeah. and Don't Look Back in Anger and Wonderwall and all those it's incredible as well what a run one. what a
2: two album run oh incredible
1: well, that was fun to do, guys. I enjoyed getting to know you guys. I that. So, are we going to do uh, what are we going to do next? TV shows, something like that? I'm
2: okay I'm with that. I fun. think Sod's kind of pinned down. We're in <laughs> the office five, five times. At...
1: Yeah, You know, my
4: uh, number but... one will be, but. Um, yeah, that's true. But other than that, I like the lists.
2: A... <laughs> Top five SNL cast members of all time. <laughs> um, we can do TV shows, we can do movies, we can do something like that. We'll figure it out. It's going to be a long off-season. Uh, wait, why am I talking about the off-season? The past is starting. Oh, God. All right, well, to sum it up, two of us pick the Bucks, two of us pick the Cowboys. That's what people really care about when they listen to this podcast. Who'd you pick? So we'll be with you on Monday night. It'll be late. John will be live from the pirate ship. The day the after, after his birthday, cannons. by the way. <laughs> wow, what a bad city to be in for your birthday. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot to do there, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no it is what it is. Uh, do what you got to do. Well, I've been to um, worse. For Father John Mishota, for Saad Yusuf, for Kent Garrison. Sa- uh, John, if you think we need to do an emergency podcast based on any crazy comments this week, let us know. We'll do it. But that is uh, it, uh, it for our uh, preview episode for Cowboys Bucks on About Them Cowboys. We'll see you late Monday night. i right here on the road again. We can't
4: have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've gone too
3: far. There's too much to lose. we got to keep our composure.